Welcome to The Brief, brought to you by BVO2. Today's guest is Jeff Green from Students on Ice. Jeff is going to be talking about his floating classroom, why education in the North matters, and how it can change the perspective of youth today. Hi, I'm Andrew Mellon and welcome to The Brief. Today I'm here with Jeff Green, president and founder of Students on Ice. Without question, the greatest classroom on earth. Jeff, welcome to The Brief. Thank you, great to be here. So Jeff, what is Students on Ice? Students on Ice is a program that takes students from all over the world on educational journeys to both the Arctic and the Antarctic, using the polar regions as classrooms. They're ship-based journeys where we use the, the vessel as our floating home and classroom. And on these trips, the kids are joined by teams of educators, scientists, elders, musicians, artists, and we're focusing on science and culture and history and contemporary issues, environmental issues. They're quite profound life-changing journeys for the kids that really connect them to nature, connect them, connect to themselves, to others, and ultimately shapes their future to some extent. You've been doing this for a long time. And so I want to dig into uh, why you've been doing it, where it came from, and how you're, where you're going next, because you're doing something really unique. By taking children from all over the world and exposing them to the north and to the south now, mm -hmm. uh, you're bringing new ways of thinking in experiential learning. So, uh, so tell me, how did you get started with this? It was quite accidental, to be honest. Um, there wasn't uh, a, a big grand vision. The, the vision was very simple, which was use the polar regions as classrooms. Mm -hmm. I'd been leading expeditions for older people back in the early 90s, uh, scientists, tourists, film crews, and so on. But I was noticing how profoundly impacted these people were, in many cases, jaded, cynical adults <laughs> that right. had you know, their, their ways pretty set. But something about visiting the ends of the earth was making them look at the planet differently, look at themselves differently, their relationship with nature. And uh, one day I just thought, man, like imagine if we could give that experience to youth at the beginning of their life mm -hmm. um, and how that could define their perspectives and their future. So that was the simple premise um, and came back to Canada, talked to anybody that would listen at the time. Yep. And like any new venture, a lot of people would say, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. And, but every, every so often somebody would say, I love that idea, you should do it. And I maxed out seven credit cards and got a ship chartered. And away we went in 2000 with 50 high school kids, only from Canada, mm -hmm. and a team of scientists and experts and leaders. How many, how many trips have you done? Uh, in the last 14 years, we've done about 30 expeditions with t almost 3,000 kids now. Wow, so that's interesting because you know, 13 years ago, the expedition would be far more difficult to organize. Like yeah. Things have really opened up in the north for you. It's evolved in many ways. It's evolved in, in almost every way, actually. The, and the Arctic's changed at the same time, mm -hmm. and so has the Antarctic. So, so we've been evolving almost uh, along with the changing environment and culture and, and social scene. So it's been a fascinating journey, for sure. Um, the kids now come from all over the world, so that's been a big change, and that's enriched the program. 
having Inuit youth together with youth from southern Canada or from New York City or from China um, adds to the whole experience big time. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the education classroom on the ground up north. Mm. You're bringing these groups together, different languages, different perspective, different cultures. Uh, I love when culture and education come hand in hand with that experience. Uh, so tell us about those unique experiences. Is, how does that change the program over the last couple of years by having those groups? Well, it just brings different perspectives and um, d different life experiences to, to the table. And it allows for sharing and friendships. Uh, most of these issues that we're facing are global in nature. Mm -hmm. So if you only bring Canadian kids with kind of more or less one perspective, it, it's not the same as having youth from all over the world. It's like a United Nations approach to some extent. But even within the context of Canada, when you have, there's a lot of misconceptions and, and stereotypes that exist in our own country vis-a-vis -vis our north-south understanding. Right. We've been an east-west country, but our coast, we're actually almost exactly as, as high as we are wide as a nation. Right. And our largest coastline is the, is the Arctic Ocean. Well, it's we, truly a coastline now. In the last 10 years, it's opening up dramatically. We're starting to see yeah, far more accessibility up there. It's, that's very, very true. And that's driving all these other changes. So um, having just Inuit youth with youth from the south is so enriching and, and it, it impacts everybody. For the Inuit youth, they take on new pride in their, in their home because they see these kids from the south going, wow, you live here? This is such an amazing place. You're so lucky. And mm -hmm. the kids from the north are like, really? You think so? <laughs> I didn't look at it that way. Um, and so, yeah, it's hard to, to, to really um, distill down into a sentence, but it's magic. It's really, and you put all these youth together on a ship mm -hmm. together with all these incredible people, these adults, from all different backgrounds, and the dynamic the, that takes place there is really what, what makes it happen. Sometimes for kids, they're away from home for the first time in their lives, so they're homesick, right. they might be seasick, they're broken down to some yep. extent at the beginning, yep. and then the Arctic or the Antarctic build them back up again. And that process uh, we've stumbled upon, but it allows for a very profound transformative experience in a relatively short period of time. That's in, interesting because the experiential learning is not only through changing ideas and, and through the tactile engagement, but you're now getting a sense of, wait a second, we can actually transform individuals through the cultures that they're spending time with, uh, what they're learning, and the data they're collecting, but they've been removed from their comfort zone. So it's, the other distractions that are t traditionally there are now out of the way, so they, mm. can, they can really take a, a it's like going to camp, but going to camp up north with a lot of uh, mixed cultures. Exactly, and just like camp, um, part of, a big part of the experience isn't what you're learning in a classroom, it's what you're learning outside. On the land. On yeah. the land, on the water. And for me, that's, that's the power of outdoor experiential education. Mm -hmm. um, you can fill our heads with the, tons of information, and goodness knows in today's society, particularly our youth, they're bombarded constantly with information. Mm -hmm. um, but to really transform somebody, you need to touch their heart. And that's what we're able to do through Students on Ice. Um, 
and I say we, really, Mother Nature does most of the work. <laughs> right. You know, a, 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 an encounter with a bowhead whale or a polar bear or a penguin pecking your boot in the Antarctic. Those are moments where when the kids really connect to nature. Mm -hmm. And in those moments, and you know, seeing an iceberg or a glacier or an albatross, when they're touched in the heart and they're inspired. And once somebody is inspired, then they really learn. And then they really make a commitment. So it's that heads and hearts balance that, that um, I, I've used as, a, as an educational philosophy. So tell me about the education program. So where it started 13 years ago, uh, I'm sure it was some concepts based on what you've experienced. How far has it changed and what are you doing today? What, what is the educational portion besides mm -hmm. uh, the on-the-land learning and the experience uh, through actually being there and being part of the communities? When, when we first started, it was really focused on the environment. I'd say not even climate change because in 1999, 2000, we weren't really talking about climate change. Mm -hmm. um, I was driving in a big black SUV without any guilt, <laughs> and I wouldn't do that today. But we, um, yeah, over time started incorporating more sciences, more politics, more culture, mm -hmm. more social sciences, uh, music, and art. So. Today, I'd say the program is much more holistic. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, somewhere along the line, again, accidentally, we, we decided not to pursue a curriculum-focused program. Yep. Because people were kind of pushing us, saying, you got, you got to have a credit course here. But we discovered that was actually going to be very limiting. Sure. Um, so we took this holistic approach. And and so that's where we're at today, I would say. it's It's dealing with contemporary issues, trying to paint <clears throat> the broad overview of, let's say, the Arctic. Mm -hmm. Because if you only go and talk about one thing with the kids or two things, you're not doing that place justice and you're not doing them justice. Um, <clears throat> so constantly adding and experimenting, but also n not too much structure. There's lectures and workshops and, and hands-on experiments, but <clears throat> it's also about letting the kids just go and hike and sit down on a beach and feel the place and soak it in and observe. So, what, so good, good, good segue there. Let, let's talk about that. Um, you're at the point now where you've gone from being let's experience it, which mm -hmm. is a cultural, emotional experience, um, heart and mind. Uh, you've moved into 13 years later. You're getting um, more people more groups, uh, more international audience, which is it's expanding that opportunity. You're bringing in, I've seen you brought in musicians and scientists yeah. and uh, writers to help formulate a, uh, an experience. Business people. Business people. So yeah. tell me about the people you bring on board. What, what is the intention with the support around that? It's not just bringing adults to share the experience. It's, it's bringing inspiring, passionate people from all walks of life and, and um, professions just to share their share that passion and experience with the kids I mean some of its contextual you know for sure we need the scientist the oceanographer the ornithologist the historian but increasingly if I just meet a really interesting cool person that mm -hmm. I think has a story to, to share I want them to come so Jeff really interesting is that you've been able to bring culture education together uh, we've seen in our space a lot of the culture, education, and technology. 
How are you finding technologies either helping in your expanse of this conversation, uh, bringing awareness uh, on, on the actual excursions? How are you finding yeah. it's helping the education and ed cultural engagement? Technology is an interesting one for us because there's no question in some ways it's helping. It's helping in the, in the outreach, uh, both, both before, during, and after the expeditions. It's allowing us to reach a global audience. But when we're talking about connecting kids to nature, we've, we've actually for years had a no technology policy <laughs> okay. on the expeditions. And, and obviously that, that's not 100% um, no technology because we still need to update things and whatnot. But uh, it's really important that students use their cameras and see things, but to use the best cameras ever invented, their two eyes, and to to almost disconnect from all that. Mm -hmm. um, I found to really connect to nature, you have to disconnect to some extent from, from technology. So it's an interesting balancing act that we're trying to play, and I think we've found it. Um, but it, increasingly every year, the, the, the more these youth of today are coming into a program like are so so integrated into this new technological world but I f do find that they can disconnect mm -hmm. and they can connect to to these larger issues that we're hoping they'll connect to um, but it takes a, it takes a few days to, for that process so technology is is, is great but it's not it, it has to be balanced mm -hmm. I think so 14 years of change, what's next for you? I first and foremost want the program to keep, keep alive and be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So there's a, a real focus on sustainable funding that we have to address. And because most of the students these days are fully funded by scholarships, uh, as you know. Mm -hmm. About 90% of the kids participate because they're funded through partners, governments, and um, philanthropists and corporations and that's been and we didn't touch on that but uh, when we started the program the kids had to raise the money themselves and uh, I realized fairly quickly that that's going to work for some kids yep. but if we only if we only want it to be for you know first world well-off youth and that's not what we wanted so right. So we've come a long way in the funding formula from mm -hmm. maxing out credit cards to actually getting <laughs> funding. <laughs> Thank goodness. Um, so so uh, going forward, I, I'm really focused. We just launched a $10 million endowment fund, Amazing. which is going to be part of the equation. But partnerships, partnerships, partnerships. I love partnerships and, and working with great people. And so we want to strengthen our existing partnerships going forward but build some new ones mm -hmm. um, some real strategic ones that are long-term to get out of that crunch time all the time funding cycle that NGOs tend to get into yeah you've got some amazing partners uh, you've raised lots of visibility for the program for the Arctic classrooms um, tell me what who they are and how they're helping our partnerships range from our honorary chair Prince Albert II of Monaco to groups like the Canadian Museum of Nature here in, in Canada, um, First Air on the corporate side, Canada Goose, our clothing supplier, um, but also school boards and Inuit uh, organizations across the north, the uh, governments like the Norwegian government, the U.S. government, uh, and also philanthropists like 
this one guy from New York City who came up to me one day and after a talk I gave, and he said, what does it cost to send one of those kids to the Antarctic? And he, he whipped out his checkbook and wrote a check and said he wanted that to be for two kids from, from, from the Bronx. And he and his family uh, have now sponsored almost 100 students in the last decade, all from New York City. Amazing. From what I can see, it's an interesting time because you have been at this for 14 years in different ways. Mm -hmm. And either you came into the moment and have made the most impact, but the people that are starting to surround you, that are starting to come to you, that are starting to talk to you on this level, pretty amazing. Uh, you're being able to access groups across the world because of your having impact on their youth. It's mm -hmm. You're hitting the right, mm -hmm. the right environment to help them understand the changes, mm -hmm. but then bringing visibility to it because the youth are so involved. It's really very, very strategic. Um, whether you happened into it or, or it happened to you, um, you're right at the center of mm -hmm. a, a really big opportunity. And uh, I'm really pleased that someone like yourself has taken it up. Um, not everybody would take it from a perspective of passing the torch. Not everybody would take it from a cultural learning, understand the aspects, and be able to bring it together with such a passion, uh, which is not built on industry. It's built on doing and making a difference. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm really impressed, Jeff. Well, thanks. And I think your sentiment is, is really why those people have come and, to, and supported it. it it's, it's not strategic. It's, um, it's just, it's, if, especially if you're a parent, as you are, and, and me too, um, our youth are become the number one thing. And and no matter who you are, if, if you have a heart, <laughs> most people do, um, our, our youth are so important and giving them opportunities to set them up for the future. And I think increasingly at this time, people maybe are, are looking at the future. In some ways, they're looking at the future with their youth in mind because they're recognizing we've got some pretty big challenges ahead of us and and we better start making the right decisions for our youth so on that in that vein I'm very encouraged and I'm hopeful um, I was in New York recently I was part of the climate march which was quite extraordinary 400,000 people uh, but I also spent some time with Sylvia Earle who's the, the queen of the oceans you might call her and she made a comment that stuck with me, which is that the next 10 years are the most critical of the next 10,000 years for us as a species to be making the right decisions um, necessary for, uh, for protecting our, our planet. So when you ask me about the future of Students on Ice, for me, it's uh, these next 10 years are critical. S education for me is always the fundamental solution so I'm hoping that we can, in the next 10 years, uh, use Students on Ice as a, as a vehicle to trying to move us towards making those right decisions as much as we can. Jeff, amazing points. Uh, I think that's a great place to leave it. You're looking at uh, 10 years out, what change we're making, what we can do, and, and what it influences. A lot of people talk about change. Um, what Jeff and the Students on Ice group has done is actually seen change, been part of it, and taking action. So uh, I hope all of you get a chance to learn something from this. And uh, I, fortunately, uh, Jeff has invited me to go north. So I'm going to get a chance to actually go see it and experience it for myself. 
I'm really looking forward to taking part and, and hopefully bringing some element of, uh, of interest to the team. So uh, thank you very much for having me with you, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for taking Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Brief. If you want to be a guest on the show, drop us a line. To check out more episodes, visit bvo2.com.